Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencibia Jr. and Jennifer Wolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. Recording in progress. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> God, uh-oh. <laughs> that stays no, in the podcast. Okay. Perfect go. timing. It's so sad that you and I don't have any fun doing what we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's not fun, as Emily right. says, then it's not worth doing. So. That is not worth doing. So let's get started. In a previous episode, we covered a lot of information about um, international real estate on a global scale, obviously, not only in the United States with a focus on Miami, but kind of overall how the international real estate community works, et cetera, et cetera, with the FIABC Congress, also known as the International Real Estate Federation. And we touched on the importance of the agent and investor understanding the broad international picture, but really having a hyper-local focus when it comes to the time to make decisions. So in this episode, we thought we would take a deeper dive into the international data and information specific to South Florida because we are, you know, a super international area. We're heavily affected by what happens, especially in Central and South America and the Caribbean. So we thought that we would take a dive there. And it all started because the Miami Association of Realtors released their top 10 list of the top 10 international countries searching for real estate on Mm miamirealtors.com. So they are in order of ranking Colombia, Venezuela, Argentina, the Philippines, Mexico, China, Spain, Canada, Brazil, and Germany. So those were the ones that were searching the most for real estate in in the month of May, because we're always lag a month behind in the MLS. But were there any, are there any on there that surprise you? You know, I'm always surprised when you get the Philippines and, you know, when you when you add some of those Southeastern Asian countries, the travel is not direct. I always find it really interesting, the expansion, if you will, of the Miami brand. What I think it says a lot is how, you know, worldwide and how global this city is becoming. We consider it the global city of the future. And so th- those things always, you know, catch my attention. What is it that you look at, you know, when you see the countries and you're thinking about those that are searching for our properties in Miami, my first thought is I think of their socioeconomic and political situation, you know, because oftentimes, you know, when there is uh, dissonance in South America, for example, we have seen historically an uptick in interest in people moving their money, their assets, buying property in, in South Florida. And I think that there is, in that grouping that you mentioned, there are countries that are going through some, you know, socioeconomic and political upheaval. Uh, or, 
you know, just changes. How do you view those lists when you when you first look at it? There is a little bit of an event flow month to month. Mm -hmm. Well, for example, like if I looked at I looked at some of the stats from last year um, and like as late as November of last year, Brazil wasn't even on the list. Right. right. And so what's happened and Brazil's always been pretty big in our South Florida economy. Sure. But they had dropped off for a while because they had, a, mm -hmm. you know, some political stability and everything else. Um, and then elections started to roll around and yeah. it looked like there was going to be some political instability there. And all of a sudden we started to see the search tick up. They're currently not as high as they normally are because they're second to last. So they're number nine. But so I always look at that, like what's to your point, what's going on in that country? And the the flip side of that is when i'm reading international news and i'm hearing of stuff coming down the road like an election's coming up somewhere or you start talking to people who live in europe for example like with brexit yeah. i remember talking to my son and a bunch of friends that live over there and way before we started to see the UK on the search list, um, I started to hear rumblings over there. So I think it's super interesting because having that information, whether it's the list comes first and then you go and do the research or you start hearing the the international news and then you see the uptick, there's, there's a huge link there. And I think for us as realtors, there is a lot of opportunity in that data and in that information. I mean, we're seeing that right now, right, with, right. with our Spanish buyers who are looking for a warehouse to expand their company um, to be able to take care of customers that they have in Mexico, the Eastern Seaboard, the Caribbean, and um, Central America, right? So yeah. we see that on, on, the, on the real estate side as agents, but it's always good to know that you know, the data backs it, but sometimes the data actually precludes that, right? So these yeah. people start probably, this company started searching way before they contacted us, right? They contacted us last week, but they probably started searching at the end of last year um, to see where the best place for them based on their business expansion and growth, because they have facilities in other parts of the world where their next location should be. So I think this kind of list really helps with with that information and it as an agent it helps you do two things it helps you plan for okay i might start seeing people from you know companies from these countries start right. to inquire about my commercial listings or if i have the listings i might want to get a jump on it and start marketing my listings in those countries yeah. so I, I just think there's a ton of information if you know where to find it and how to put it together and apply it to your to your business absolutely right and i think it's important if you are transacting in a market such as our south florida market that is so international that you have to pay attention because no matter how long you've been in the business you're going to come across a transaction that is involving a foreign buyer whether you're representing you know the a local seller and uh, it's a buyer that is you know presenting an offer or you're representing the buyer from from out of town as well and we are in a market in which the great majority of international national buyers that are buying you know real estate in the US they buy here in, in right. South Florida and one of the things that I always uh, enjoy is looking at the annual report that the Miami Association puts out on international buyers 
that provides a lot of data, and it's basically a, a survey, and it's done in conjunction with the Florida Association of Realtors and the National Association of Realtors. So a lot of these numbers are vetted nationwide, they're vetted statewide, and then they're vetted locally. I'm really looking forward to, now that we have our very own chief economist. Okay, uh, yes, she's amazing. Her input, I think, is going to be incredibly important. But just look at in 2022, and you know, we, we all feel that the numbers are not yet back to where they were or that where they were trending prior to the pandemic. But we, we've certainly made a huge move once the travel ban stopped and a lot of the changes you know, took place. But just look at the volume of sales, $6.8 billion, uh, dollar volume of foreign buyer residential purchases between August of 2021 and July of 2022, which was an increase year over year of about 34%. But again, there's still a lot of room because I think a lot of those foreign buyers are still you know, coming in. Now, what I find interesting is when I see this report is that we still have a lot of foreign buyers that buy commercial real estate, you know, and I've, and I've had those experiences. I've sold plenty of multifamily to buyers from Mexico, uh, buyers from Germany, you know, really all over the world. Uh, you know, we're showing a property, uh, one of our listings today to a buyer that is coming from Peru, all cash buyer looking for multifamily investment in and North Peru's Beach and Miami. And Peru is not on but the list, but it has list been on before, the list. Right, right. Correct. Right. And he might've been one of those that, you know, <laughs> checked it out a couple months ago, made it made his plans to come down here. You know, and I think that that's another important component. It takes a while to learn a market. It takes a while to learn uh, that what you're seeing is 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 the right deal. You know, I, I often talk to my clients. Sometimes the first property you see is the best property, and yes. we've we've had this experience. <laughs> yes. You know, but unfortunately, psychologically they have a hard time understanding that because they, they haven't seen the market, you know, year over year. They don't, they haven't seen it over the last few months. And so sometimes it takes a while for you to see the things, to lose out on some opportunities mm -hmm. to, and then you start to reshape your expectation and your evaluation of the marketplace. And then I often tell them, you know, you'll get to a point where, where you're going to see the deal. And when it presents itself, you're going to know that it is a deal, that right? And so some move faster than others you know, in that end. But I think that that's an, uh, that's an important component. So I want to point out two things. Yeah. One for our listeners is that even though this foreign uh, international report is for home buyers, right. remember that most people come here in their first investment in the United States or their first activity in the United States. They might not be buying a residential property. They might be leasing it, but that's right. usually their first one. The second thing is just this report is done and it, it goes from August of the previous year to, so it's from August of 2021 to July of 2022. We always do that lag. And right. even within that data, there's a lag because there's usually a 30 to 60 day lag in the closing and it being reported. Yeah. But what I wanted to point out is that during that time frame, during August of 2021 and June and sorry, yeah, August of 2021 and June of 2022, most of the world was still shut down. Like right. we forget that as we in Florida, right? right? But most of the international community was shut down. I went right. to Italy in March of 2022 and I needed to have, I don't know how many shots. I had to carry my card everywhere. I couldn't get on a plane, you know, without yeah. doing that. I couldn't go into a restaurant. So most of our international buyers and travelers yeah. didn't even start coming back to the market until this year, 2023. 
True. Because they couldn't travel or they couldn't travel easily. Every time yeah. they you know, came here, they needed a shot. Some yeah. countries weren't even allowed to come here because their vaccination rates weren't high enough. Yeah. And then for them to leave, they had to go mm -hmm. stand in line, get a COVID test. The COVID test had to be clear within certain amount of time. You know, it was a pain yeah. in the neck to travel. We, you know, we tend to forget because it's yeah. already behind us. But yeah. that, so I'm super, super interested to see what those numbers are going to be. Yeah. And um, just to the point, if you're a commercial broker and or agent and you look at this data for home buyers, you're going to see that it probably ties in pretty closely yeah. with what you're seeing in your market if you're yeah. if you're in the South Florida market. So I highly recommend that just because it says home buyer, you don't. No. Dismiss the information as it not being relevant to commercial. Correct. Well, it's quality information for a lot of reasons. But to your point about the other side of this is just like we in commercial have been talking ad nauseum over the last few years as to whether office is coming back, are the workers coming back to the office, in what reconfiguration will the office sector succeed in, in having employees back physically in the offices. You know, we, we often speak about the, the, the shifting dynamics of office work, the shifting dynamics of just, you know, work as a whole in the United States. We also have to realize that there is a psychological remnant of having experienced a global pandemic, right? And so there is a lagging time under which, you know, not everybody's going to feel comfortable to travel, not everybody. And, and there is a little bit of a re-evaluation, just like workers uh, in America have re- are, and really throughout the world are reevaluating their priorities and where they feel more comfortable, where they want to invest their time. I think that that is very reminiscent of what's happening to the international buyers. Funny, just a, a personal anecdote. I went to church on Sunday and, and uh, the we had a guest priest and he's actually from Poland. And he told us the story that he, he went back to Poland. He was here in Miami. He lived in Miami. He worked in Miami. He went back to Poland during the pandemic because he wanted to be with family, you know. And, and you know, he was afraid what's going to happen. And I want to be close to, to my loved ones. And, and now it's gotten to a point where it's like, okay, it's time for me to return to my work. And so he, he has returned. And there seems to be a sense of, you know, being recharged. And then I, I, started, con I started connecting those things. When, when you mentioned the topic today, I was thinking, oh, I, I get it. There's a lot of people that are making that, are making those decisions now and I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a very trend up of international buyers that are coming into this marketplace and that trend will continue. I also find it interesting that when you're looking at Miami and South Florida, you know, and let, let's say you're looking at Florida as a whole, you know, year over year, one of, the, one of the great things about this report is that it gives you information back to 2009. And you start to see that we are consistently, the state of Florida in 2022, 24% of all foreign buyers of real estate, okay? over the last 14 years, right, has been, we have been number one as a state. 24% uh, in 2022. That means one out of every four buyers, you know, in uh, of, of real estate in the United States buying in Florida. 54% of those are here in Miami. So to your point about this report being residential and all stuff, this is a very important metric. You cannot, you should not ignore it uh, just because it is residential in nature because 
anecdotally, what I'm seeing is once a buyer buys a residential property here in Miami, it's almost like they're setting up camp. Mm -hmm. And then they start to see that if they are investors and they want to invest in real estate and own more real estate, now they start to see what are my options. You know, I remember selling a, a warehouse to a, I, I think it was a 9,000 square foot warehouse. It was for lease. Um, it was divided into three bays. It was fully rented. It was to a foreign buyer from Spain. You know, the, there was, you know, I was representing the seller. And what I found interesting, it was their first foray in commercial real estate anywhere in the world. They own wow. residential property mm -hmm. in Spain and they were very careful and they were very intentional in their due diligence. They really wanted to understand it, but they just felt that they loved the longevity of the tenancy. They loved the lack of, you know, having to deal with daily issues with multifamily investments that they've had. And I've spoke to the agent, you know, the other day, this, this transaction was like five years ago. Well, they bought like three or four other commercial That's properties. Amazing. They bought office they, because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm loving this. I don't, I'm not right. getting calls of my toilet is broken. Right, you know, right, I need right, it right. fixed right now. You know, the, the, the issues are, are varied and, and different. So I think that this data just is predictive of the kind of transactions that you see in commercial mm -hmm. later on. And I think it's very important for you to be in tune with it. I agree. And as a tenant rep, you know, my first thought is, okay, well, let's say the people are coming here and not everybody who buys or rents a condo on Miami Beach is going to be investing in commercial real estate or leasing out office space. But guess what? As a retail tenant rep, I want to know who's coming here because mm -hmm. then I know what kind of retailers I probably, you know, that's part of my demographic going back that's to the true. other information wow. that we put in. Yeah. So I start thinking, okay, and, and I'll never forget, I remember TK when she was talking about, she was so surprised the first time that she saw the French being one of the top searching countries. And, you know, they started out at number 10 and they moved to number three. And from a retail standpoint, you know, guess what? We started to see French bakeries and right. Macron shops or macaroon shops and yeah. and Macron the president, not, <laughs> not, 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 we didn't see presidential shops. We saw macaroons. So um, anyway, so I thought that that also super insightful for the tenant rep who looks at this data and then can start figuring out. Think yeah. about it. Look at, you know, we have Doralzuela, Westonzuela. <laughs> so if, if I start seeing that Venezuela is still a big search, searching, yeah. you know, party, and I see that, and I know that there's a very large um, Venezuelan demographic in both Doral and in Weston, if I have shops there, I might be yeah. looking for, well, what do they have in Venezuela that they might be missing? You know, we always talk yeah. about the Torontos or the Todifrios um, <laughs> because we've both you, both you and I have lived in Venezuela. Oh, so, but yeah. if I'm a retailer, you know, if I'm a retail tenant rep or a landlord rep, I want to be looking for, you know, what, is, what do we have? We have a ton of arepa places and you can get arepas from just about any country anywhere in, in South Florida. But I might be looking at what don't they have and they definitely don't have enough now that I'm thinking about it, they don't have enough Todi Frio bars like yeah. maybe we need a Todi Frio <laughs> bar in Venice in, in well, Weston yes oh Cocosete there we Cocosete. go the talk about you know connectivity and I think that that is such a smart thing to to understand because you can drill down the data specifically by market and understand okay where where in Miami Beach for example and you could say well where are the foreign buyers coming into Miami Beach specifically where are they congregating you know I think that that's an important component I also like that in the report you get 
uh, a lot of detailed information, like for example, uh, where they are buying. They're buying in the city, in the urban or suburban areas. And then one thing that I think is very important is, in the report, they first start by telling you, well, how many people are visiting, you know, South Florida. So you get the you you start to compare and contrast year over year the increase in tourism into South Florida from foreign countries. And the reason why that's important is because here's the other thing we know. We know that 61% of foreign buyers um, visit Florida only two times or less before purchasing a property. So if you start to see an uptick, then you start to connect that most likely 61% of that of that group is, you know, if they're, if they're buyers of real estate, they only have to visit once or twice before they buy. I think that that's, that's an important dynamic, you know, as well. And I think it's, a, I, I don't think that that is a difference with whether you're representing a buyer from um, an international country, whether it's residential or commercial. So every little thing here informs me that, hey, if I'm dealing with a buyer internationally, I'm most likely going to have to show him a couple times. He's going to have to travel back and forth before he makes a decision, you know, uh, to purchase. And I think that that is going to be across the board. I agreed. And for our listeners, I just want to let you know that we will be posting a link to this international report in the show notes. So we will have that in there in the episode notes. And then we'll be able, we'll probably do a new one. We'll do a new episode when the new report comes out for this year to do a comparison and see if some of the predictions we made regarding international travelers and buyers coming back, if if we see that um, and, and how that will relate with things like the increase in interest. And the interesting thing is that most of these foreign buyers pay cash, so they don't care what the interest rate has gone up to right. so much in the United States. They might right. have other issues affecting them in Absolutely. their own country, and the inflation in a lot of the countries that are searching is significantly higher Correct. than what is going on in the United States. So, well, let's be honest. In a lot of a lot of times, it's about the preservation of capital. It's Correct. about the flight capital to safety. They view the market in a very different manner. The goals that they're trying to accomplish are, you know, are much more than just the cap rate and the return. You know, they know that there is security in the U.S. and uh, and that's an important component and understanding that dynamic of how they're buying the property, why they're buying the properties, and what is the what is the things that makes it uh, important to them. I thought, you know, you mentioned Doral Suela, but I thought Doral was very smart in creating the developers to create an environment that was very similar to the way that people live in Caracas, mm-hmm. you know, to create communities, to create security, just because having lived in Caracas, that was always a priority. You know, people wanted to have that security of being in, you know, right. in a, in a closed community with a security guard and right, you know and all a gated community That's why you just know everything in Doral is gated correct correct right. and it, it makes sense they they understood you know who their target audience really yeah. was and uh, and I think that the the developers you know uh, acquiesced and and more high rises too right that right. you're way True. more comfortable living in an apartment building if you're yeah. from other than like New York and some of our big cities here in South America, a lot of people live in in the high rises. So the other thing that I think is super interesting is to kind of compare the international market in South Florida and now more generally in Florida overall with our domestic market because they seem, and I think that's one of the reasons why Florida has been doing so well economically is that they're at opposite ends of the 
economic ebb and flow, right? right. So the last couple of years during COVID, we had a huge, huge, like it was the first time in a really long time that our yeah. national investment was greater than our international investment. Right. So we had more U.S. investors investing in South Florida in general and in Florida overall than we have had in, I don't know if I can say decades, but in a very, very long time. Yeah. And now we still have a lot of investors, but because of the interest rate hikes, which the national investor, the domestic yeah. investor is so much more sensitive to, mm -hmm. now we have the, the foreign market coming in and yeah. helping keep our prices higher. So I think that's another reason why yeah. we're not seeing as much of an impact mm -hmm. on our overall real estate market as yeah. the rest of the national market is. So I think that's one point. The other point is you, you mentioned a word about comfort. And we've talked about this before. We talked about it when in the FIABSI episode where you interviewed Jeb Bush is because South Florida is so incredibly diverse. People yeah. automatically feel comfortable here yeah. when they're from other countries. They, they come here and even though business is conducted in English, chances are mm -hmm. they're going to be able to go into their local Ladepa yeah. shop or their local restaurant or their local barber and speak yeah. in a language that is comfortable to them, right? Yeah. And and you can hear this. To, to, add, to add to that, this is one of the things that we discussed at FIOPSI is, so 54% of Miami's labor force is foreign born. Right. It's multicultural, drawn from over 100 countries. Roughly 75% of all of our residents speak a language other than English at home mm -hmm. in a city where over 100 languages are spoken to, right. just to add to your... So I think, I think that all of that is super important to take into consideration yeah. in your real estate dealings. And the other thing is if, if you are an agent that lives and works in South Florida or in Florida or yeah. anywhere in the country and you want to work with the international buyer, or seller, you really need to read the book, Shake Hands, Kiss or Bow, something like that, right? It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. it, and it's a cultural book because it, it, it is totally different. Like I, I remember, it's understanding culture, culture differences. Different right, right. And, yeah. and you know, we traveled to Dubai and we have a lot of people from Dubai travel here and mm -hmm. I'm a woman, I don't go out and walk up to a man and shake his hand, right? That's like right. a big no-no, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. right? If, if and we, vice versa. Same and same vice same versa, same. They, they're very, very respectful. They would never read, come yeah. out and, and, and try to uh, oh, shake read, my hand. Rita taught me a few things before I went to Dubai. Oh yeah, yeah. good, good, shout good. Out Rita, Rita, shout our, out to Rita, one of our amazing agents yeah. here at um, Avanti Way Commercial. But yeah. I, I do think that's extremely important because I know I had a girlfriend that was from Ohio. Yeah. And when she first came to Miami, she freaked out. She's like, I don't understand why people come up and kiss me. Like, hasn't anyone heard of personal space? She's like, I don't know them. They're not my mother. Why are they kissing me? And I'm like, oh, honey, you oh know, everybody here. And that's yeah. and that does provide for some awkward moments, right? Of you course. go to a business meeting yeah. where you've been referred by somebody. And so you're like, mm, is this a shake hand or a kiss kind of moment? <laughs> and there's the lean in and then the hand jutting out or 
the hand jutting out and the person leaning That's in. Right. So I think that book is, it's a fast read. It's a fun read. It's yeah. its quite an old book. And I'm sure I butchered the, uh, we'll put that in the link too. We'll put that, we'll in, put the that in the well. episode notes too yeah. with the correct name. But I, I also think it's important to, and I want to ask your, 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 your mindset about this because oftentimes when we list a property for sale, value is in the eye of the beholder, right? There are some things that are intrinsic to the property, but you might have somebody that is looking at it as a quick flip. Somebody might be looking at it long-term. Somebody is looking at it as an owner-occupied versus an investment. All of those things affect the way that a buyer looks at the valuation of that property, right? Mm -hmm. What I find in my experience is foreign buyers always look at the long-term. I, I haven't really had too much experience with flippers or somebody who's looking for the quick turnaround. Most of my experience with foreign buyers has been that they're looking at the long term. They, they're, they're first and foremost understanding that their asset and their funds and the monies that they're bringing in are going to be safe. They're looking at the future appreciation of that asset and they're looking at obviously the return that the asset is going to, to provide. Has, has your experience been the same, different? So I think a lot of that is cultural too, and it, uh -huh. it's super interesting. To your point, fix and flip haven't seen, but I haven't, right. I mean, I don't really deal in that market anyway, no, so I don't think I would see that. Right. But I think a lot of it has to do with culture too. So especially, I'm not as familiar with the European culture in terms of inheritance and passing stuff on to future generations. But in, in the Hispanic community, it's very, very strong. And I remember having a conversation on something totally different with, with a woman in my community, and she was from Peru. And she made the comment, you know, people, it, it had something to do with getting water. And we didn't have potable water. Everybody was unwell. And somebody said, well, I don't care. I'm not going to pay 30000 to connect to water because... I'm gonna sell my house in five years and I'm gonna retire and move. And she's like, well, that's a different thought process. She goes, I'm never selling my house. My house is gonna get passed on to my kids mm -hmm. and my kids are gonna pass it on to their kids. They might sell it, yeah. but whatever they buy there. So I think that that goes back to the cultural, the cultural. And, and understanding that a lot of people, I mean, commercial in general tends to yeah. be much longer buy and hold periods anyway. Correct. And if you're, do, if you're building a business or expanding a business from your country and you're bringing yeah. it here, chances are that entire business is going to be passed on to your children well, and to your children's children. So yeah. that's an asset. That's yeah. part of the business. So yeah. the culture is almost like, well, we're, we're not going to sell because yeah. it's going to be my kid's decision to decide. But what let me to throw do. another another curveball to this discussion, which is that we sometimes take for granted in the United States how easy it is to get leverage on a property, how easy it is to get debt on a property. And whether you're buying residential or commercial, I mean, the, the, mm -hmm. the idea that you could go to a bank and say, lend me 90% of the money that I need to buy this property. Right. You look at my credit report, you look at my income, and we are able to complete this transaction and I'm putting 10% and you're putting 90 is completely, uh, it, it's like a crazy concept in Latin America, for example, where it is very difficult. And because of the barrier to entry is so high, I believe that once you have been able to acquire land and, and, and own a property in Latin America, you always consider that to be a very long-term hold, right? Because Correct. it's not like I'm going to be able to sell it and buy another. And you know, that, that it doesn't become as transactional. And 
it does provide a certain level of status, a certain level of safety, a certain level of economic growth, uh, you know, wealth creation, all those things. So I think that that mindset, especially because they're coming here, they're buying cash because that's right. their expectation, right? right, right. right? And so I, I think that that also plays into it is this idea that now I'm a, I'm a foreign buyer, you know, I bought a place in America. <laughs> right. I have a little piece of land in America, whether it's 7,500 square foot lot on, on a single family home, whatever it is, but I have now, you know, a place in America. And that, that is not something that they would easily part with because to your point, they would love to be able to leave that to their kids as well right. and to have right. that continuity. And so I think that that adds to, uh, to the dynamic. I, I've had sellers who are concerned about, well, how, how is it when you sell to, you know, a foreign buyer? Is it a little different? And, and of course, there are certain things. There's FERPTA rules. There are right. things that we have to follow. It doesn't add too much complexity unless they're getting loans, which, you know, right. there are foreign buyer, you know, investment loans uh, right. out there and all stuff. So that would definitely add to it. But but overall, it's a captive audience. I agree. And I think, I think the Association of Realtors across the board do a really good job. So I do want to just throw out a ton of quick resources. Again, we will provide sure. links in the chat, but er, not in the chat, in the in the episode <laughs> notes. See, I'm getting my social media That's and right. my and podcast Zoom and my Zoom up. all mixed up. <laughs> I, I do think that the associations have done a really good job at providing resources. So if you aren't familiar with working with international buyers, there's a ton of information. Um, the National Association of Realtors has Global Thursdays, where every Thursday at 3 p.m. they travel, and I put that in air quotes, to a different country via Zoom, and you can sign up for those and learn about the specific country. Um, in July, there are a lot of countries in South America, so if you're from Florida and, and sell real estate in Florida, you might want to tune into a couple of those and see if you get any value from it. I'm full disclosure, I haven't been to one yet. I did sign up for one yeah. later today, but um, if you want to get to learn a little bit more about that country, attend that. Um, the Miami Realtors has our Global Congress, which happens in November, November right yeah. before, it's usually the week or four days right before NAR's right. Um, National um, Association of Realtors Convention. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. And we get a lot of delegates from all over the world um, that come to that. And then in terms of listings, so I love, I love throwing this out here because people are like, well, you're a commercial agent. Why do you belong to the Association of Realtors? You don't need to be a realtor. Mm -hmm. The only thing I got getting my realtors exam, the only useful piece of information as a commercial realtor is 43560, <laughs> um, which that's yeah. how many uh, square feet are in an acre. <laughs> so, and, and I just, I'm here to tell you, there's just so much information. And if you are a landlord rep or a seller rep or a buyer, we have, as an association, we have a ton of international platforms where your properties can be listed. And we've right. seen this ourselves, where yeah. we end up, we have a medical building that we got. The owners of this medical building are from a different country. They had it with a big global, yeah. you know, branded brokerage that is an amazing brokerage. Yeah. But the size of the suites weren't something that was being found by the people looking. And right. so we took the listing, we put it on the MLS, and we've had more success in, in oh, three wow. weeks than 
and they tell us we've had more success yeah. and more activity in the building in three weeks than we had in a full year. And it's because we have these listing platforms. So we have the international MLS, the Global Property Exchange and Proxio. Those are all yeah. listing platforms. We also in Miami syndicate all of our commercial listings to over 245 other associations because we have agreements with those associations that are in 70 different countries. Mm -hmm. And we also feed into the Beacon Council's website and several for example, Doral City website. So if you City need, Coral if, exactly, yeah. City of Coral Gables, a ton yeah. of the cities have their own portals. So the fact that we're throwing yeah. all of this information out there yeah. on a global scale, I think is of huge value, not only to buyers and, and potential tenants, but if you're yeah. a seller, having your listing exposed to that yeah. big of an audience. And then- Well, and can I throw a couple of things to no. your-, to your... <laughs> All right, roll. it's over, no, guys. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that, I think it's important to, you have over 1.5 million members in the National Association of Realtors, over 238,000 members in Florida Association of Realtors, over 60,000 members in Miami Association of Realtors. You get a lot of data out of that member right you you get a lot of research you get a complete understanding of the marketplace and there is a symbiotic relationship between commercial and residential and there is a lot of great commercial research that comes out of the National Association of Realtors for me I think it's very important if you are any kind of practitioner professional you are an entrepreneur you got to also consider that if you're only looking at pieces of data from the same sources you're getting you're looking at the information that everybody else is looking at. And so right. you you tend to then become a, a regurgitating machine of that information, but you you never get to see another angle that maybe gives you a, a perspective that will provide an opportunity for business growth, you know, will provide a venue for a new stream of income or, or a new way to grow your business. And so I, I think I think that the breadth of resources that are provided by NAR are incredibly significant to the commercial practitioner. I will further say that remember, the National Association of Realtors is the largest trade association of any industry in the United States. And part of what they do along with Florida Realtors and Miami Association is uh, an incredible amount of global outreach and um, and trade missions and a lot of connectivity. So for example, uh, you know, just this week, they're in Western Europe, NAR has a Western Europe uh, conference that is uh, in conjunction with CIRA, which is another international real estate association in Europe. And they're heading now to Madrid for in Emocionate, which right. is another conference. They were at MIPAM earlier this year in Cannes, France, which we talked, you know, the premier commercial conference in the world. Um, Dubai for the International Showcase, Realty Quest in Toronto, a day um, a, a day in the sun in uh, in London. And you get a lot of that information. And that you, we are the beneficiaries as an industry of a lot of those international connections. Well, and to your point about if you only get your data from one or two or maybe even three sources and everybody else has that same data, you have to think that then anybody has that data because you can Google that right. data and you're going to see it because it's regurgitated by the news organizations and everything else. So the question that you and I always like to bring up is where's your value? Where's your value as an agent yeah. to the buyer, seller, tenant, right? Because right. if they can find all of the same data that you have online, what's your value proposition? Right. And I do think that getting data from outside sources or 
thinking about how it relates to the news story that you're hearing about yeah. the elections in Brazil or Brexit yeah. or whatever is that's where you add value. So I, um, I think we need to wrap up with sure. our fun fact. I think we threw out a lot of fun facts today and maybe not so <laughs> many. You know, we threw out so many numbers that our viewers might yeah. be crossing their eyeballs. But here are a couple more facts. So sure. go ahead and start with yours. Do you have it? Well, you know, one of the things that I was looking at and that I was monitoring is I, I saw this headline and it's a report that comes out every year about those that want to move from one metro area to another. Mm -hmm. And I found out that 50% of the top 10 move uh, from one metro to another are here in Florida. In other words, that the that there are more people that are looking to move into Florida in, in a ranking of the cities. So for example, this report came out May 2023. This was number one, Vegas number two. But then you look at the net inflow, uh, you know, in the next <laughs> in the next five are all in Florida. So number three is Miami with a net inflow of 6,900. Top move from destinations is New York City, Tampa, again from New York City, Orlando is number five, uh, again top destination coming from New York City. Then you have Northport, Sarasota, getting top move from destination in Chicago, and Cape Coral also in Chicago. So you know, I I thought that that was a really interesting dynamic and uh, by the way the the report goes into that a lot of these people want to move here they can't because we still don't have enough inventory right, right. which again adds to the narrative that we've been discussing because it's what we're seeing in the marketplace which is that we just have an incredible amount of demand and just not enough uh, supply of inventory which is why prices have remained the way they are and, and that they're still right yeah. and even even though we're not growing you know price wise the way we were you know over the last two years we still you know are one of the only two markets kids that are growing, you know, right. uh, quarter over quarter. And it's a good thing because we were in the double yeah. digits and that can never go on forever. No, and now we've sure. dropped down. We're still appreciating, yeah. but at a much slower rate. Yeah. So agreed. That's a great stat. We'll, we'll include yeah. that in our... Are you keeping notes of all this, of all the I things am. I'm saying, where I'm going to have yeah. to re-listen to our podcast so I can remember what I said we're yeah. going to include, but we will we will include that in our notes as well. <laughs> um, my fun fact was that the Netherlands is one of the countries, is one of the countries that Miami signed an agreement with last year with their Realtor Association. Right. And they, as a country, have invested $487 billion in the United States of course, that's not all in real estate. Some of it's in real estate, and I don't know what portion is allocated, but their overall investment in the United States is $487 billion, which accounted for approximately 11% of the $4.5 trillion total inbound right. FDI foreign direct investment dollars. So I thought that was fascinating. So. And, and and to add to this, look at how many partners the Miami Realtors. Oh, 246. I said 245. So we added one. We added, we added another one. So, yeah. So we'll, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's great information. And yeah. hopefully you pulled up a chair and got some value out of this one because we're all about providing value. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. Till the next time. Make it a great day. Why? You got to have the last word. What's going on there? Recording stop. <laughs>